Welcome to the Produce Industry Podcast, your weekly download on current events, trends, market reports, and community discussions. Join us each week from Tampa, Florida, as we cover all aspects of the produce supply chain industry. Ladies and gentlemen, here's your host, Patrick Kelly. Welcome back to the Produce Industry Podcast, everyone. I'm your host, Patrick Kelly. As always, I am honored to be here coming to you live from Tampa, Florida. Now, today we have a very special guest all the way from Tel Aviv, Israel, Uri Rosenzweig, who is the head of product at Trellis AI. Now, who is Trellis AI? Well, we're going to get into it in a little bit. But before we do, Uri and I met on LinkedIn. He reached out to me saying how much he enjoyed the podcast. We then started developing a relationship talking about the ag industry and how technology is going to change and shape the future in our industry. So as we've gone on to learn more about each other, I've learned that Trellis AI reduces agricultural waste and improves food production efficiencies in order to help conserve global resources. So really, it's bringing more value to growers, manufacturers, retailers, and even consumers. So we're going to hear more from Uri about their company and about what they're doing within the industry for food loss. Because not just during COVID-19, but all throughout the year, there's many, many types of food loss on the production side and on the consumer side. So without further ado, let's get Uri on the line and hear more about himself and Trellis AI. Hey Uri, welcome to the show today. Hey Patrick, good to be here. Hey, I'm proud to have you on here. I mean, when we first started chatting on LinkedIn, um, you kind of reached out and said, hey, I listened to a couple of the episodes. I, I really think what's going on is cool there. I, I really took that at heart. I appreciate it. And now we're having a podcast together uh, talking about one, our, our new relationship that we have, but then also about Trellis AI. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, collaboration is king. Um, back when I was in the food and beverage industry. Um, and I started growing some crops that weren't grown uh, in Israel before, like sugar snap peas and different types of uh, ginger. You know, I was reaching out to farmers all over the world of, you know, collaborating, learning and learning from each other, sharing information, taking pictures of different pests and diseases. And so, you know, from early in my career, I understood that, you know, collaboration is really how we're going to get to the next stage. Um, and LinkedIn is such a great tool to be able to connect to other people in the industry and share information. Um, and I was really happy to be able to reach out to you after I've learned so much from your podcast and have an opportunity to, uh, to chat with you right now. Well, yeah, it's cool what you guys have going on at Trellis AI. Um, again, I mean, we're not trying to sell anything or I have no sponsors on the show, as I always tell all my guests. Um, if you want to support us, you can check out our website. But again, uh, no sponsors at this point. So we can talk about uh, what Trellis AI does and some of the cool things that you're doing. Because, hey, listen. During COVID-19, everybody has had to adapt and pivot, right? But Trellis AI, this is kind of what you guys do. You're in line with kind of what's happening today um, with the supply chain, right? All the challenges that come with that. Um, that's kind of what your company is and what you guys do. Am I correct? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, COVID is kind of... Uh dug up even deeper some of the issues that we've been talking about for several years now, and that's operational efficiency across the entire food and supply chain and how to um, bring a new level of predictability 
um, from the supply side and balance supply and dem demand better in real time and leverage some of the most outstanding technologies that have already revolutionized the way we do almost everything else <laughs> in the world, except for one of the biggest industries and one of the most important ones, um, the food and beverage industry. Right. I, I think that all the time is that we are lacking. Like, I feel like we're 30 years behind the times in the ag industry. Wouldn't you say? Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's surprising uh, over and over again to see, you know, that th these technologies that have already, you know, we've already become so used to using them in the way we shop in the way we learn about things in the way we drive. Um, but in our profession <laughs> of, uh, of providing food to the world, um, you know, we're, we're, we're just start getting started leveraging this, this technology. Um, and the truth is the food and beverage industry is in the best place to be able to do it. Um, you know, we, a lot of the foundations have already been built and food and beverage companies have been, um, you know, investing in data collection for so many years. You know, farms and food production uh, companies are, you know, data producers <laughs> in a sense. You know, everything from planting data to yields and quality metrics that are constantly being tracked. Um, and now it's just a matter of being able to leverage that information to be able to bring a whole new level of efficiency to the entire supply chain. Very true, very true. And you guys say, I read some of the articles or even, sorry, some of the pamphlets that you have about the food and beverage like industry is very chaotic. The supply chain is very chaotic, right? And it's, it's an ever-changing market. And, and that is so interesting because if you think of like the day in the life of an actual farmer or even like a produce broker, I mean, how many phone calls, how many, I mean, times are they talking to each individual person, making sure that what, one, they're making money, right? Let's be real here. But two, it's the chaoticness in the supply chain. It's, you know, going from the farm to the packing house, right? The fruit being packed, what was lost in that whole, right? In that whole deal. Uh, then once it goes from the uh, packing house to the wholesale or distributor, again, there could be loss in there due to transportation or repacking or anything. So it is so oh. challenging as it already is. Oh, totally. I mean, it is by far one of the most complex supply chains. There's so much volatility. Mother nature plays a very significant role and always throwing curveballs every single season. And, you know, I always hear from, you know, food producers and, and farmers, you know, we're not in the toilet, uh, toilet paper production business. <laughs> you know, <laughs> there are a lot of unknowns. Um, there's nothing that's straightforward. And, you know, we, we kind of plan and then adjust as best as we can. Um, and, you know, you mentioned all that food loss that, that takes place. And I think, you know, most people are familiar with the food waste that we experience in our refrigerators, you know, the amount of lettuce that we throw out in our homes just because we didn't get around to making that salad or we overbought on our, our produce at the, at the supermarket um, this week. But when you look at, you know, the statistics, we're talking about 30% of food loss that takes place before it even reaches the, re real the, the retail um, from production to harvest. Um, and, you know, that is the area where there's a tremendous amount of opportunity to optimize um, because there are some real, real serious low-hanging fruits, pardon the pun, um, to be able to pick those up. And especially if we're looking at, you know, a couple decades out when we're talking about, you know, 2050, having 35% uh, of the population increase and having to have double amounts of food to feed those people. And every year, our arable lands and cultivated lands are, are declining. 
you know, efficiency and being able to use our resources and utilize our resources in the most efficient way across the supply chain is just becoming more and more important. It's so true. And many people don't think about that, right? They don't think that far into the future. They kind of live in the now. They live a little bit in the future, but I wouldn't say all the way to 2050, because if you were to say, what are you going to be doing in 2050? I mean, people are going to be thinking, what? Right? Think, right? think about that. Marie. It's like <laughs> yeah. No one lives that far into the future. But as you're saying, we have to start to think about that because even during COVID-19, I mean, I've got a buddy Shay Myers, he was on the podcast as well. Uh, they were dumping onions um, because of not because of lack of what they did wrong. I mean, the, the food was coming, the plants were coming, this COVID happened, buying patterns shifted, uh, retail uh, ordered, then didn't order, food service was down. Guess what? You can't tell an onion, hey, uh, the country shut down. We're going to just relax for a little bit. We'll get you shipped in a few months, like the toilet paper, right? You can't. The toilet paper was sold out, but the onions were not, <laughs> right? So yeah, we had to dump onions because of this. So what can we do or what can a farmer do, right? I don't farm, uh, but what can a farmer do? What can people within the supply chain do? To do? How can we, uh, I would say, minimize this? Because there's food loss every day and people don't understand that. 100%, Patrick. And, and I think COVID in a lot of ways um, really exposed um, some of the really sensitive parts of our food supply chain that were, are there all the time. Farmers dump every season. Um, this, year, you know, this year, because of COVID, it obviously was a lot worse and you know, thankfully got a lot of exposure, you know, both in social media as well as you know, regular media as well. A lot of articles, a lot of news stations picking up on, on this really painful issue. Um, and in a lot of ways, it's like you know, a, a person who's always wearing makeup um, and finally you see them without their makeup on, you're like, wow, so that's what you look like. Um, and, and I think that that's really what happened in our food supply chain over the course of this period. You know, some really extreme things happened, but they're exposing really essential problems in the way we, uh, we address our food supply chain and the way we run it from, from farm to fork. That makes perfect sense. So let's talk a little bit, though, about Trellis AI, because you guys do a little bit about this. You guys look into the future of the, really the food value chain. I mean, we've talked about it. So there are things that I do want the listeners to understand about Trellis AI. Um, there are things that you guys do, such as crop predictions, supply chain insights, market intelligence. Can you give our listeners a little bit of that, of what Trellis AI does? Yeah, absolutely. Um, in our food supply chain, on the one hand, um, needs to run in a just-in-time matter with operational efficiency, um, knowing what's coming in, how it's going to come out, you know, what the market is like to be able to do that and be able to provide all of the decisions that need to happen in order to support that entire, uh, that entire process. Uh, the challenge, you know, like we talked about just a moment ago, is that there's so much chaos in the supply chain. And so the earlier you're able to predict and understand wh what's coming in, you know, if, I'm, if, if I contract my, uh, um, my land for this coming vintage, and I know that I need to cover, you know, X amount of acreage from these particular growers to be able to support my production plan, 
you know, in a traditional sense, you know, that's today done on Excel spreadsheets and, you know, some scrap paper, you know, even in some of the largest food, food uh, businesses. And to be able to transform that into a digital, uh, into a digital uh, age, um, what, we're, what we're talking about is being able to plan preseason with leveraging AI technology of, of understanding the predictability of what that field, what those full fields are going to yield and what, and what quality levels and what their ripeness time is going to look like and how that's going to impact not just what's going to come out at the end of the season, but also the entire production process. Um, and so we work with food and beverage companies firstly to predict and help them plan how they're going to source um, all their produce as well as growers as well. Um, and then we're using advanced um, optimization algorithms to be able to uh, create what's known as a digital twin. Um, a digital twin essentially is being able to take an entire process and create uh, a version of it in a digital way. And what that allows food companies and growers to do is run simulations um, of how and different scenarios of how a particular vintage or season will play out given different decisions that are made. If I source from these growers as opposed to these growers, if I provide this grower with this variety or a different variety, what are going to be my predicted tons and quality at the end of the season? And, you know, timing is so crucial, especially when you're, you know, selling fresh produce, whether it's to, uh, you know, to retail or whether you're selling to food companies and being able to understand, you know, how that's going to impact storage costs, production costs, um, and all of those different things. And so on the one hand, we're leveraging all this predictive information, leveraging you know, millions and millions of data points that are using aerial imagery and forecasted in real-time weather information throughout the entire season, um, but also applying um, very advanced optimization algorithms that are then transforming all those predictions into different scenario management, like a studio. Of, you know, what happens if we bring this in a little bit earlier, if we push that out a little bit later, how is that going to impact my production costs, how's that going to impact my capacity utilization, asset utilization on the one hand, and of course, you know, labor costs, um, and how, or how is that going to impact my yield and quality that I'm looking for um, to bring to market for my finished goods. Um, and I think, you know, what's most important is that you know, growers and food companies need to understand that, you know, this is a joint goal. This is something that they can do together, and it's not a zero-sum game. And growers and food companies need to be able to work together, be able to advance the entire supply chain together. Well, I think now more than ever, it's going to be, I would say, easier to sell this concept. And I say it like that because you and I talked a few weeks back is that this farming ag life is still predominantly owned and operated by the boomer generation, right? The very old school uh, farming uh, generation, right? And sometimes they don't like technology. I, I mean, geez, I see it all the time. Again, they've adapted it in their regular life, but they sometimes are afraid of, should I give my information up? What are they going to do with this data? Am, am I right? I mean, is this something that is faced every day in, in this world? I mean, what's incredible to see is, you know, like you mentioned, there, there's a generation shift. Um, and with the generation shift, what's lost is decades of intuition and learnings from you know some of the most experienced farmers who day in day out have been you know walking their fields and learning you know their 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 production you know like like the palm of their hand 
And with the generation shift, all that intuition is, is at risk. You know, even kids who grew up on their, on their parents' farm, you know, they haven't seen all of those hailstorms and they haven't seen all those heat waves, you know, decades back to learn from. And that's really where artificial intelligence comes in because, you know, I, I don't know how familiar, um, you know, everyone is with, um, with AI, but what AI essentially is, is, is an intuition machine. It, it learns um, the same way that people learn just from data. Um, and what, the reason why it's powerful is that it's able to scale. So, you know, even a really experienced farmer that's had an entire career learning, you know, uh, you know 10 years, you know, 30 years of, of harvest um, over, you know, a couple hundred acres, um, you know, that's a lot of intuition and, and he'll probably make great decisions for his field. But if you're leveraging, you know, tens of thousands uh, of acres of information over, you know, tens of years, essentially the, the AI engine learns that intuition based on, on data and, and is able to provide a scalable solution similar to, you know, the way a person who's really familiar with one field on, but for hundreds of thousands of fields. Um, and I think particularly during this generation shift in, in, in farming and food production, being able to grasp onset intuition and gain, you know, thousands of years of grow, worth of growing experience in one click, you know, is, is a very important tool to be able to secure the future of our food supply. That I agree with. I think it's great because one, you could be two places at once, right? I mean, think about it. You could have this technology that can help you. It could come with you. It's at the touch of your fingertips with a phone or a laptop. So you're able to access all the data that you need to understand what you just said, even going back years and years and collecting this data and understanding information. You might not have lived through that hailstorm. And you and I talked about that. You know, my dad's been inside the packing house, the farming community in Citrus. And he would say every year, it's like, oh, you know, you never see the same year. It's different every year. And it's always the, you know, you got to put a lot of years under your belt to understand it. But it's really, it's like you're understanding constant change. I mean, that's really what you're understanding. And I believe that some of these tools that the AI that this tech is coming out with is able to help understand that, collect this data and help you understand it better. Yeah, and I mean, what's fantastic is, you know, food companies and, you know, employ so many people to collect data all the time. And what ends up happening is those people spend most of their time doing just that. They, they are slaves to collecting data. Um, instead of being able to leverage information to be able to make better decisions, they spend most of their time collecting the information instead of trying to figure out what, best, what are the best decisions to, to make based on that information. And so one of the great things that AI is able to uh, provide is, you know, I, I kind of call it a, a, a currency exchange. You know, data in, in, in our agriculture and in food production is like having a, a currency in a place where, where they don't accept that at currency. You know, I live in Israel. It's like, if, you know, if I were to bring my uh, new Israeli shekels and try to buy a Coke in, in Miami, it's just not going to happen. Um, but when you're able to leverage AI, it, it's like this currency exchange where you're able to take all this money and time that's already been invested by farmers and by food companies and be able to turn it into, into gold um, to be able to allow them to spend less time collecting data and more time making better decisions. And this also leads back to food waste too, because if they're able to control a lot of these right? Then they're able to control the food waste because our entire industry lives on just-in-time inventory. 
I mean, yes, there's a lot of cold storages and wholesalers and a lot of people with fruit that is out there, uh, but the fruit is picked when it's ready. There are certain commodities, right, that you could ripen, bananas, avocados, other things, yes, but you're picking it because the fruit is ready to be picked, it's ready to be packed, and really it's ready to be eaten, right? So this should help. I mean, I wish that, yeah. Right? I mean, this should help somewhat in food waste, the food waste too, because as this goes through, there should be then less food waste if we're able to collect the data, if we're able to proceed with the analytics and trust it, right? That provides this real-time predictions, right? Then we should be able to reduce a lot of uncertainties. Absolutely. And, you know, I wish that all food was able to be harvested at its optimal time. <laughs> because we're part of, but because it's part of this, you know, supply chain that has so many operational and logistic constraints, and it's complicated. You know, you have perishable goods that need to go and and feed a really intense supply chain of, you know, of food production. And so, if if you're a potato chip manufacturer, and you know, you need to fill your processing line that day, you know, you're going to bring in those potatoes if you're short on on uh, on yields. <laughs> whether they're ripe or whether they're ready or not, um, even if it means that they're at a lower quality, even if it means that it's going to affect the yields for, you know, for the grower and then have to figure out how you're going to compensate um, afterwards. Um, and I think one of the biggest challenges in, in the food and beverage industry is that you have, you know, everything ripening at different times, but you're trying to manage this just-in-time uh, supply chain. And so how do you mitigate between those two, you know, very, very different shapes? Um, and I think, you know, that's where predictive analytics and optimization really shine is, you know, the, the more information you have, the, the further in advance you have a good understanding of when, when you're going to be short on yield, at, at what quality level, be able to prioritize, you know, when you're going to bring in, um, you know, different fields at different times to be able to support um, the production line that, 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 that you need to fill. And that's going to save, first of all, a lot of food waste that, you know, whether it's Food, you know, you know whether whether it's tomatoes that are that are left out in the field because they're green and too early to to, to harvest, or um, or tomatoes that are are left out too long and dehydrate and just end up, you know, going to waste. And so the the best the better that there's that there's predictive information, to be able to you know to circle that that square um, is is really is really where a lot of the savings, and the value, and I'd say the revolution. Of, uh, of technology and AI in the food and beverage industry. Yeah, that's crazy. So here's a question I have. So I always try to whittle this in because you and I, we're consumers as well, right? We go to the grocery store or we order online, we buy fruits and vegetables and use them. So if the podcast reaches to the consumer, right? Because we do have some consumers that listen to this. How does a consumer benefit from listening to this? Because as I'm you know, looking at this, I, I would think like this stuff already happens, right? I mean, think about being the consumer <laughs> right now where you're like, I I'm listening to this on a, I'm on a podcast. I'm going, wait a minute. They don't track all this and do all this now. They still walk the fields. They still do all that. Don't they send, send drones out to do this kind of work? I mean, is, isn't that nuts? I mean, how, as if we're a consumer, how, if this isn't here, does it benefit us or not benefit us, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, as a consumer, you know, you look at a supermarket aisle and you look at all the different fruits and vegetables, whether they're fresh or whether they're already processed, 
and you understand the front end of the business. You know the way they market to you and you know the way the packaging is and how they're trying to attract you as a customer. But you have no sense of, of the back end of what's going on behind the scenes there. And as consumers, you know, there's definitely a trend with, with millennials, you know, that we see now of you know being wanting to know more of what's going on behind the scenes, fair trade, sustainability, um, carbon footprint. Those are all issues that as consumers um, we're demanding to, to have better visibility of and traceability of, you know, the same way there was an organic revol- a revolution that started bottom up and, and consumers, you know, wanted, um, you know, different, different produce uh, than, than conventional um, farming was, was providing them. And, you know, that was a revolution that started bottom up, literally from the consumer side. Um, and I think, you know, the more uh, consumers want to understand what's going on behind the scenes and how efficient is each supply chain that I'm sourcing from? You know, I think if you ask most consumers, would they rather, um, you know, buy a, a product that was a product of a company that, you know, was, was, was more efficient in the way that they source their, their, um, their raw ingredients, I think most consumers would be very, you know, supportive of that. Um, and, but also consumers have a huge responsibility as well. Um, consumers, you know, like I mentioned before, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a split down the middle pretty much between where, where, food, where food waste happens. You know, you've got a tremendous amount of food waste that happens on the consumer side and a lot that happens on the producer side. And, you know, both parties really need to work uh, to be able to improve the way that they do things. And, and you know, I, I say that to, you know, uh, you know, to other people as much as I say it to myself, you know, when I'm looking through the grocery store, I'm like, ah, a couple more cucumbers, but like, you know, what, what, what's going to happen to those couple more cucumbers? Um, and, and as consumers, that's something we really need to be aware of. Yeah, and then think about it. I mean, we got food waste on the production side. We have food waste on the consumer side. And we have people around the world starving. That's, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean, that's horrible. It's nuts. It's really terrible. And, and what's, what's crazy is that it's even undocumented in a lot of senses. I mean, take a look at the at the wine crush uh, report that comes out every year. So, you know, how many tons of, of wine grapes were crushed in the U.S.? And they track it year after year. But, you know, if you take a look at the 2019 uh, crush report, it doesn't account for all the thousands of acres that weren't even harvested because it's such an oversupplied market right now of, of wine grapes. I mean, it doesn't even get in as a statistic of how much wasn't even harvested because of a lack of balance between supply and demand. And, you know, only now with, with COVID is, you know, this conversation really getting front lines of, hey, there's something that's really imbalanced here that's causing a lot of, you know, a lot of waste. Um, and, but it, it's already, it doesn't even make it into the statistics at this point, which is, you know, a really, really, uh, really challenging part of the whole thing. That's nuts. I, I didn't even realize that. And I would think if you were talking wine crush report, I would just think, oh, wine's going to, you know, it's going to juice, right? It's going for wine, right? If you think of like oranges, oranges being crushed, you're like, oh, okay, it's going to Tropicana. It's going to Simply Orange. It's going to, you know, one of those uh, juicers. Um, but really what you're saying is there's such an oversupply that they had to uh, pretty much do these things and it, wanted, it wasn't even reported. It was more waste than it was going to an actual market. Exactly. Wow. Exactly. You know, we're not, we're not talking about, you know, uh, you know, the, the Excel spreadsheet that tracks, you know, how many, you know, how many grapes that were brought to, uh, you know, to a facility, um, you know, didn't make the cut. We're talking about grapes that the grower just left out there to hang 
and and didn't even bother harvesting because the prices were so low and that implied demand were so out of whack that you know it, it would cost more to, to to harvest them than you could get for them and you, assuming that they had a home to begin with um, yeah. and you know that's where yield prediction becomes even even more critical i mean you take a look at you know, the kiwi industry for example all export prices out of you know the major, l- largest producers like like new zealand are based on yield estimates um, and those yield estimates dictate what the price is going to be for you know all the different countries that are sourcing from them and those yield estimates are are fairly inaccurate because they're just based on historical averages um, and when you're able to leverage uh, predictive technology that's able to take um, weather information aerial imagery and know how to connect that and meld that together with historical data um, you know then you have a much higher level of predictability and then prices for these for these fruits and vegetables really reflect the supply that's available. And so, you know, back to what you're saying, Patrick, about the consumer, you know, all of a sudden you show up in the supermarket and you see some crazy prices for things and you're like, well, where did that come from? Well, a lot of times that's just because of uh, an inaccurate estimate by, you know, a large producer that's supplying, you know, entire countries worth of, of you know, certain, uh, certain fruits or vegetables. Um, and, you know, that will come back and bite the entire system afterwards. That's nuts. I mean, think about already. Think about all the people that are not thinking about this. Because even just as you're, if you're <laughs> me, right? I mean, because I'm I'm looking at this and I'm I'm even writing notes down I'm on like two pages of notes. Everyone, so I hope everyone's writing notes because no, I mean, this is a conversation that is very rarely had, and if it is, it's talked very very briefly because people don't want to hear it sometimes too, right? I, I talk about that with, with my book, uh, Millennial Boom. It's like the two largest working generations with the most spend. It's like no one wants to talk about it, but it's true facts, Wouldn't you, right? Am I correct on that? Absolutely. Oh, totally. So totally. It, it's, it's, it's crazy. So, all right, we need to give some opportunities or some advice to our listeners. So if you're a farmer, you're within a supply chain, Uri, what can we do? What can... Um, what kind of advice or even opportunities can you give to some of our listeners on how to move forward or even how to connect with you? Sure. Um, I'd say, firstly, always think, you know, we started talking about 2050 and, you know, you said, well, how many people are talking about 2050? But, you know, I think farmers and, and growers need to not be so opportunistic uh, a lot of times. Um, you know, all of a sudden they'll see, you know, a spike in demand for something and plants ton of acres, you know, worth of, you know, certain, certain trees and different varietals. Well, you know, 10 years down the line, you know, those will need to be uprooted because that demand is going to shift. So be able to make um, better decisions um, and, and think big picture and not just, you know, what's going to bring cash tomorrow because it's a long haul and these, uh, these decisions make very long lasting um, impressions on our food supply chain. Um, and I'd say, you know, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of value um, that's able to be brought to the food and beverage industry with data, um, and there are a ton of technologies out there. Um, you know, like you mentioned before, from drones to um, you know robots and all kinds of amazing technologies that are that are coming out um, all the time. Um, AgTech is a, is a thriving industry, um, but yet you know if you look at the stats, you know about so only about 30% of growers or food producers have said that they've piloted with any um, ag tech company. 
Um, and I'd say, you know, the time is now. Um, the technology is mature. Um, it could bring significant savings and value to the industry, especially in times like these. Um, and, you know, I think that that's, that's something that every, every grower and food producer needs to ask themselves is, you know, am I doing the best for the planet? Am I running my supply chain as efficiently as possible? And are there things out there that I don't know um, that, you know, that could really make a big difference? Um, and obviously, you know, uh, you know, my company, Trellis AI, is uh, a you know, front runner in this, uh, in this space. Um, and you know, I'd obviously always be happy to talk to whoever's interested to, to learn more about what, what we do and, and how we could bring value to your business as well. Yeah, for sure. And you can find Uri on LinkedIn. That's how we connected. So again, you can find him on LinkedIn if you want to learn more about Trellis AI or check out any of their websites that they do have. Um, Uri, I do appreciate you coming on the show today all the way from Israel. And again, it's awesome to learn about new things that are happening with our industry uh, in other countries because sometimes we get tunnel vision here in the United States and I'm going to say it, we don't think outside the box sometimes. We have a lot of people that are like, nope, we've got it going on. We have it here. So it's awesome to see what's going on outside of the US, especially from your point of view. So I do really appreciate you coming on and taking the time to speak to myself and our listeners. Thanks, Patrick. A real pleasure. I'm looking forward to keeping in touch. If you want to support the Produce Industry Podcast, please visit our Anchor support page, and you can also leave a message for us. So thanks again, and we'll see you on the next episode. You've been listening to the Produce Industry Podcast with Patrick Kelly. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes or Anchor to get new, fresh weekly episodes. For more, please follow us on Instagram and Facebook at the Produce Industry Podcast. Until next time, see you in the fields or on the horizon.